0: Yes! Hello! Welcome to the Politics Mostly Podcast. I am your host, Peter Ramirez. Quick scheduling note, guys. Um, I know I haven't been regular recently, and I'm going to commit to the following podcast schedule because um, thousands of you listen to me. There's no marketing budget. I don't even know how most of you found this, to be honest. <laughs> um It's a lively community we've built here, very organically over a couple of years. Um, People who email me, tweet me, disagree with me um, have been mostly respectful. And it's a source of pride that despite my uh, political outlook, I can garner so much uh, attention and listenership from the right and even uh, folks who are libertarian. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to commit to Monday episodes. Every Monday for the next two months at least, there will be a show in your feed around 6 or 7 a.m., early enough for you commuters. And um, there will occasionally be Thursday episodes, although that will depend on the news and my schedule. But I'm definitely going to commit to the Monday episodes because I don't like going a couple weeks without talking to you guys. A lot of stuff going on. The race, um, the domestic American uh, political race is going to heat up pretty soon. We've already had uh, Nikki Haley announced, President Trump. So that's going to heat up pretty soon, which I thought today would actually be a good idea to talk about Ukraine, okay? The Ukraine, Ukraine, have we we figured that out? I think it's just Ukraine because I think the Ukraine makes it now sound Russian or something. So um, I got a text from a, I don't even know if he's conservative or libertarian, a a second cousin of mine who, I don't know if he was trolling or not. I know he's just (laughs) anti-liberal at this point. I don't really know what his uh, political outlook is. I think he he was trolling me, but the question nevertheless stood. It's, you know, if you're as anti-war as you claim to be, how do you justify American support for Ukraine? So I've spent the last week or so thinking about this, right, Um, trying to wrestle with the concept of can you be pro-Ukraine, or at least pro-American assistance in Ukraine, and also anti-war, which I am not ashamed to admit that uh, I'm anti-war, anti-World War III, um, every war since World War Two. you could argue the outcomes have not justified the costs, right? And uh, if you want to Google what we've spent in Iraq and Afghanistan, <laughs> it is... Um, probably over $10 trillion, according to Brown University, not to mention hundreds of thousands of civilian deaths and tens of thousands of American deaths. And how's Iraq looking today? How's Afghanistan looking today? Uh, Not great. And so, you know, one of my three basic tenets, as longtime listeners would know, is the fact that I just think war is stupid, um, not just destructive. It's not, you know, I'm not uh, tree hugging moralist, right? It's, it's the the costs, this industrial military industrial complex, you know, these these companies and their kickbacks and their no bid federal contracts. It's all just, it's swampy to me. It's very swampy to me. And of course, if you poll Americans, <laughs> we're very isolationist, right? Um, that's been true. For really since our beginning, right, Uh, you can go back to the 18th century and look at how Americans viewed wars in France and, you know, between France and England. And, um, you know, we've had to been pressured into both world wars, right? Even though we finished both world wars, we certainly didn't start them, right? We were late to the party in both cases, I think 1917. Um, for World War I uh, that ended in 1918. And then I think World War Two was 41, 42, ended 45, but started in 39. So we're not, <laughs> the biggest uh, disconnect between American public opinion and American policy, and trust me, there is many, there are many, um, would be <laughs> our views uh, on how often we, our views on isolationism, how we pretty much don't want to become the world's policemen, and then how active our military is overseas, right? That's probably one of the biggest um, differences between how Americans feel and how we act through our government. So, especially with this race heating up stateside, the Republican nomination, I want to talk a little bit about foreign affairs and about this Ukraine issue. Uh, It is the one year anniversary of Russia's invasion, right? That's also a big key here, right? Who invades who? (laughs) You know, I wouldn't be supporting Ukraine if they invaded Russian territory, but they got invaded, and that's important here, okay? So people have been asking me, why do I support the Ukrainian war effort when I'm notably and pretty consistently anti-war? Well, here's the thing, okay? This is going to sound circular, so I'm going to have to explain. I am anti-war because I want less war. And the biggest thing, part of that is to be anti-invasion, right? So the Russians are very keen on invading countries that aren't theirs. In fact, dare I say, and this is no compliment, it's very American of them. (laughs) I mean, the only country that invades more than Russia, actually, I think Russia invades the most. I mean, Russia is more likely to invade you than we are to invade you if you have oil. Right. In the 1980s, Russia, Soviet Union then, invaded Afghanistan. We funded, trained, and equipped the Mujahideen. A little CIA program called Operation Cyclone, if you'd like to Google it. Later, the Mujahideen became Al Qaeda, right? Or at least parts of the Mujahideen, part of the resistance against the invasion. Uh, you know, that's. Not trying to throw conspiracies around here. It's just the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? So, you know, we armed and trained all these resistance fighters in Afghanistan, and, you know, some of them became terrorists after the Russians left. So, Russia invaded Afghanistan in the 80s. In the 90s, they invaded Moldova, right? They annexed a little breakaway region known as Transitria. Uh, 2008, Russia invades Georgia. Two territories of Georgia are still occupied by the Russian military to this day. Oh, and by the way, quickly, a little quick rant here. Sorry, I'm a little caffeinated today. Um, this whole thing about, like, Russia, they respect Republicans. I mean, in 2014, they annexed Crimea. Obama was president. They waited till Biden was president. To okay, then why was Russia invading Georgia in 2008? Who was president in 2008? George Bush. And this isn't like you know this new wave of Republicans that brand themselves as does. This is like George, shoot 'em up Bush, okay? <laughs> so I think we give a little too much credit of like how much Russia cares, like what political party is in charge of what House of Congress or presidency, right like they're just they look at their own domestic situation, they look at you know structure, third you know um balancing acts and, and, and what's going on in the territories they're invading, probably way more than they care about who's currently occupying the White House in America. So 2008, Russia invades Georgia on George Bush's watch, right, if you want to engage in bad faith politics. Um, 2014, they invade Ukraine for the first time, right, Annex Crimea, we remember that, right. 2015, it got involved in Syria, they meddled around there. 2022, they invade Ukraine uh, for the second time. Afghanistan, Moldova, Georgia, Syria, Ukraine, blah blah blah, not once but twice for Ukraine. My fellow conservatives, do we sense a pattern here? Do you do you sense there's maybe, you know, maybe once or twice, their isolated instance, but do we sense a pattern after decades of just invading other countries, not just invading them, annexing them, right? We weren't looking, we invaded Iraq and Afghanistan, of which I was against both, obviously, even at the time, we weren't looking to annex any of this shit, right? We weren't looking to expand our territory, right? We were looking, well, I don't even want to get into what we were looking for, but Russia is literally invading countries that border them and just be like, eh, you're now part of us, right? So I'm not even trying to be facetious, but what in Russia's uh, recent history suggests they will stop at Ukraine, right? They'll take Ukraine and stop. And this isn't Cold War history. I'm not even talking 50s, 60s, 70s. I'm talking Putin. I'm talking recent, right? I mean, Afghanistan, Moldova, Georgia, Syria, Ukraine, Ukraine. I mean, there's obviously a pattern here. Appeasement may feel good in the moment. Hell, it may even lower the odds of war temporarily or short term. But in the medium and long term, especially as it resolves uh, uh, relates to Russia now, it means more odds of war, right? More invasion, more death, us getting dragged into a large scale war with troops on the ground. So if Russia thinks there will be no repercussions to invade countries, they'll continue to do it, right? Baltic states, Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia, Poland. I mean, you have fucking Sweden and Finland worried now. They just joined NATO or apply to join to NATO. So it's not maybe, but who will be next. And the odds are, the odds go up if you're not in NATO, right? So just take a look at Eastern European map, right? Do a little check. If they're not in NATO, if they used to speak Russian, if they were in the Warsaw Pact, you're probably going to get invaded if we don't do anything right here in Ukraine, okay? So. I wanna take a second and talk about what we've spent in blood and treasure on Ukraine. Because I do see a lot of right-wing jokes online about people filling out their taxes and trying to list Ukraine as a dependent, right? They chuckle, they copy the joke, they recycle it. And uh, yeah, this is why the left dominates comedy. (laughs) Okay, at least here in America. Because it's really not that funny, right? Um, there's all sorts of shit my tax dollars pay, right, that I don't want, right? I don't want my tax dollars going to Raytheon. I don't want my tax dollars going to General Dynamics, to fossil fuel subsidies, right? Um, I don't want my tax dollars subsidizing Donald Trump not paying income taxes, right? Because the hole's got to be filled in the streets. And if he's not paying taxes, I'm paying taxes, right? So this whole idea that like you have to approve of 100% of, you know, you of what the government spent. That's literally never been true and that's not how government works. Um, so, you know, I am pro comedy, but if you're making that joke, I'm against that joke because uh, you gotta give me something better than the C minus, <laughs> okay? It's my only condition. So here's the budget of the US government in 2022. And I'm, you know, I'm gonna throw out some numbers here. Don't just, oh, fade out, look back at the road you're driving. Focus here for a sec, focus here. The numbers are important and I did the math at the end, so don't worry. The U.S. government budget, 2022, this is how much money we spent federally. This includes Medicare, Social Security, schools, right? This is military, holy shit, the military takes a lot of a budget. Okay, 6.3 trillion, right? 6.3 trillion. Now, that's what we've spent total, domestic, foreign, right? Just for 2022. Um, Through right now, which I'm actually going to include 2023 numbers, January and February, so include all of 2022 for how much money we've given ukraine even throw in january and february Fuck it i'll give it to you on the house military aid to ukraine was under 47 billion this is according to the council on foreign relations it was updated february 22nd so unless we spent more in the last what four days this is probably accurate so just under 47 billion dollars and this is military i'm not going to include economic assistance because a lot of that is loans that we're going to get back some of it is like extending credit right um, some of it existed before the Russian invasion. I'm not going to talk about, you know, us loaning them money and getting it back later. I'm just going to talk about the military, you know, giving guns, systems, right, paying their military, all the financial um, expenditures added up uh, just with their military for uh, just what we Americans did uh, for the Ukrainian military effort. Um, so $6.3 trillion is the budget. We've given them 47 billion now. Uh, you know, I know math isn't our strongest point here, right? China's running laps around our kids mathematically, but I did the math, and yes, I am a valedictorian of my college, so you know, I, I, I trust my math here. That plus I use fucking calculators. So, if military aid is 47 billion to Ukraine, and that includes two extra months, right? Remember, I'm giving you two months for free. And if we spent $6.3 trillion total in 2022, that means the military aid for the Ukraine amounts to 0.007% of our budget, right? Not 7% of our budget, not 0.7% of our budget, not 0.07% of our budget, but 0.007% of our budget, okay? Now, look at what it got us, right? Russia is probably our number one adversary, right? ISIS is a lot more aggressive, but you know, they're less prevalent. I haven't heard from them recently. China, yeah, China's more powerful, but yeah, they're less meddlesome. You know, they're dealing with Taiwan, Tibet, you know, a little skirmish with India on their <laughs> disputed border here and there. Yeah, you know, like, like what are the odds China? Invades Nigeria, like I would say pretty low. They're kind of focused on their own. shit. I'm not defending China because you guys know I'm not a huge China people, huge China person. But if you consider the fact that okay, China is more powerful than Russia, but Russia is more aggressive, you could make the argument that you know right now our number one adversary is uh, Russia. Okay. So here's what 0.007 percent of our budget has gotten us. Uh, one, 200,000 casualties for Russia. <laughs> okay? Um, about 40 to 60,000 of those are pure deaths. The rest are injured uh, fighters. Um, this is according to a UK intelligence report, Two hundred a fifth of a million people dead, killed or, or injured fighting uh, Russians fighting Ukrainians. Even with oil and gas exploding recently in price, which usually means good things for Russia, look at what they did in 07-08 during the same circumstance. um, The Russian economy shrank two point one percent in twenty twenty two. That's called a depression for those of you who. (laughs) I mean, I mean, fuck. We have Republicans here saying we're in a recession depression, and our economy grew at two point one percent in twenty twenty two. And in twenty twenty two, what did Russia do? Got slapped with sanctions. A bunch of companies left. They can't sell. They sell less than fifty percent of what they used to sell on the international uh, commodities market for oil and natural gas, and their economy is free Right, a two point one shrinkage in a single year. We'll see how bad they do this year. Um, and and uh, and after the invasion, and again after conscription by Russia, right? Remember Russia, Russia introduced conscription, a draft system. This is uh, <laughs> making people involuntarily fight, right? This is not just a volunteer-based army. They're now forcing uh, young men to fight. There have been waves of people fleeing Russia, okay? People fleeing Russia. The most conservative estimate I found was from GV Wire, and they claimed, uh, according to sources, multiple hundreds of thousands of Russia, of Russians flee, uh, fled Russia. Okay, and spikes were immediately after the invasion of Ukraine, and again after they introduced it, the draft system. Right? You got all these Russians booking one-way trips out of Moscow. Okay, that's a problem for you know demographically for Russia. So let's talk ROR for a second, rate of return for you non-financials out there. Um, this is this may be, and once again, I'm not being, I'm not, you know, I'm a, I'm a jokey guy, but I'm not joking here. ROR, is this the best investment the U.S. government has ever made? I mean, I'm being serious. Look at what 0.007% of one year of our budget got us, right? We're talking our number one adversary in the world lost 200,000 fighters, right? You got human capital fleeing the country in levels you haven't seen since World War II. The economy shrank by the most it shrank in decades, and they're international pariahs. They got a handful of friends, Iran, China, even even the weird kids at school have friends. You know, internationally isolated, they're embarrassed, they're crippled. They're going to lose this war and think about invading another one of these Eastern European countries. Maybe, maybe they think not to once they see how much it's going to cost them. And what for the price of less than half of the Department of Education, we get all these benefits? Are you kidding me? The, I mean, the budget for the Department of Defense is over $800 billion per year. And that's under a Democrat. That's under a Democratic president. That's under a Democratic Congress. And this is what, you know, or at least a Democratic Senate. And this is what, this is the little we give up to get all this in, in return. Okay. So a little odds and ends about my views on the Ukraine before I wrap it up. The military equipment we're sending over to Ukraine to kill Russian soldiers is equipment that is, a lot of it's decommissioned, okay? Um, We no longer use these uh, weapon systems, these vehicles, these guns, some of the ammo, right? It's just sitting around. Not all of it, and I couldn't find any numbers on what percentage of the military equipment is stuff that is still in use, not decommissioned. Um, But it's substantial, okay? So that's another thing you have to remember when we're talking about numbers with Ukraine. A lot of the stuff we wouldn't use anyway, but we're not going to throw it out. We're going to donate it to countries like this. Um, And another note I think it's possible when we're talking about Ukraine, American lives aren't at risk in this war. And that's very important to me anyway, because, uh, you know, I'm anti-Americans getting killed. It's one of my most controversial opinions. Um... We're not fighting this war directly, right? I did some research, as you guys know, I do for this podcast. I mean, I wouldn't put up thousands of listeners if I didn't. Um, looks like two Americans were killed. These were voluntary people who went over there on their own, right? You can't really, you know, <laughs> if they want to go, if they want to fly over to, you know, Ukraine or a neighboring country, Poland, and and you know, take a train in like Biden and, and volunteer to fight. The U.S. government can't prevent that, right? but they're not you know they're not official they're not US they're former US troops but they're not part of the military they weren't ordered there they went there on their own two of them died two were captured and i see a handful of civilians were killed including a journalist now these are all tragedies right these are all tragedies but this isn't iraq or afghanistan right where bodies of american soldiers are coming back stateside okay Biden really has united the world against Russia, stopped the Russian advancement, donated some old guns we don't use, and we've kept American lives out of the war zone. It really is miraculous when you think about it. Now, it's not all good, right? And this is how I'm going to end the episode, on a bad note, because fuck you, you don't pay for this shit. So I am very anti-war. Not even out of morality reasons like I discuss at the top of the show, but because, you know, Uh, Every war since World War II, you could make the argument that, you know, was Korea worth it? Was Vietnam worth it? Was Desert Storm worth it? Was Iraq? You know, Afghanistan? You know, none of these places are necessarily uh, better (laughs) when we leave. And this is not counting the hundreds of thousands of civilian casualties um, and the tens of thousands of American casualties uh, in our military. And of course, the trillions of dollars we pump in here and nation build elsewhere when we should be nation building here. Um, So, there are three things, right? Um, I think being honest, if you are a liberal Democrat, about risks here is important, okay? Because this isn't just blind, you know, Biden gets a blank check. And it's back to containment. And we're back to the world, war, you know, back to the Cold War era of containment. Because I don't think that would be in our long-term interests either. So we would really have to balance this. And I, I think there are three things I'm looking out for. Right. One is, you know, I'm pro-American aid to Ukraine for now. We are late February 2023. Facts can change. Territory can be lost. It's a dynamic and fluid situation. So I'm going to reassess it as new data becomes available. I'm not ashamed to admit that. Right. I'm not one of these, like, war is always bad, war is always good. What are the facts? What are what are the pros and cons? How can we think about this clearly, right? You know, what if Ukraine pushes Russia out and then tries to retake Crimea and then it gets bigger, right? What if Ru- Ukraine pushes Russia out and they start invading Russia? You know, these are things where I'm going to have to take a look at it and probably, you know have some skepticism about it and and hope our American involvement is is limited if if these certain contingencies happen, okay? Number two is China's emergence in the war is not good. It's just not, you know? They're not doing this because they're uh, doves, they're good people, they're looking out for human rights. They they like Russia because we hate them, <laughs> I don't need to uh, go to intro to int- you know international relations to learn this. That you know your international actions as a state actor are about balancing competitive interests. China's emergence in the war is not good. They've been backing Russia logistically up to this point, and now the U.S. announced they're thinking about arming them. You know, and you know there are bellicose natures. Uh, there is a bellicose nature in American, uh, you know, selective American leaks in the military. You know, they want to fire up the public. They want the public to uh, stay engaged in the war, start caring about the war. And, you know, there's, like I said, $800 billion sloshing around. It's a lot of money to be made. So, you know, these leaks are going to come out from time to time, right? I mean, shit, look at the New York Times, all the shit they leaked leading up to the Iraq invasion. I mean, they, they were, you know... <laughs> military industrial complex is practically begging people to invade these countries to the point where when they're ready to invade them, the American public actually wants it, right? Manufacturing consent, consent. shout out Noam Chomsky. Um, But you know, at the same time, we have to be honest here. If China gets involved militarily, that raises the stakes, and that's not a good thing, right? So I'm being very honest. I'm concerned if China gets involved in this war, especially if they get involved militarily. Now, of course, once the the Americans started floating around these ideas of China arming Russia, the China starts saying, oh, we're actually for peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Ask the people in Tibet, right? Ask the people in Taiwan. Ask the people in Xinjiang, uh, the the Muslim territory in in Western China. It's, it's, you know, the Uyghurs, the the nine-dash line, how they treat Vietnam, how they treat the Philippines, how they treat the Japanese, right? How they slow walk us with the fucking North Koreans don't even get me started on China this is a Russia episode though so let's come back so yeah one is you know I'm pro-Ukraine aid now we'll see how I feel and you know as data changes and the situation changes two I don't like China getting involved right that makes me more hesitant to send more aid and to become more involved because you know I'm anti-World War 3 that's another that's another uh, uh, controversial opinion I have (laughs) And three, this is probably the biggest one, I'm a little uncomfortable with the amount of war hawks that are now nesting in my party, okay? I'm a little uncomfortable with that. There is a little anti-war backlash in the hard right of the Republican Party. Well, actually, they're anti-war with Russia, right? They like Russia because Russia is anti-woke. Russia really hates the gays. So, Republicans like Russia, right? Because, you know, they hate the gays, so Republicans like them. Um, But look at their statements, these MAGA people who claim to be anti-war, especially anti-war with China. Look at their statements about Iran, you know? Look at what these people think of Venezuela, about Cuba about the Middle East, about Taiwan, about China. Then, once you look into these MAGA people's views of the military with those other countries, come back to me, I'll be here, and let me know if you think they're really anti-war or as anti-war as they say they are, okay? So, some anti-Trump Republicans, some neocons, some warmongers, some John Bolton acolytes, right? They've been turned off by this MAGA, Contingency in the Republican Party, and now they book themselves on MSNBC and CNN because Democrats, for the most part, most part support the uh, Ukrainian war effort. Um, I hope this is a short stay. I really do. Uh, I hope it's a temporary reprieve because I don't want these people and their destructive uh, pro-bombing tendencies in my party. Right? I don't want them to find a home in this party, in the Democratic Party. So I am worried about that, too. So those are my three concerns about Ukrainian, uh, three, patino you know, things I'm concerned about. But for the most part, you know, based on how little we're giving Ukraine, how much we're getting out of it, the fact that it's probably preventing more war and more invasions in the long term, I'm very pro-Ukraine militarily assistance. So... Thank you guys so much for listening. I will be back Monday. I may drop a surprise episode here and there on Thursday, so check your podcast feeds. Um, And if you can, uh, you know, look, I don't have money to uh, push this in marketing, make videos, you know, put stuff out there. Um, I do take a lot of time to research, to think, to edit, to publish. Um, I keep this ad free. Recently, I have run a couple ads, but nothing crazy. Um, So, you know, if you're enjoying this for free, you know, feel free to uh, recommend it to a friend who you think will like it and, um, and definitely subscribe. That helps me too with my numbers and leave a review, leave a review. I do, I do read them eventually, you know, when I get around to it. Okay. So thank you guys so much. I will see you a week from today. Have a great day.